Hello, and welcome to First Importance, the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer today is that you will be blessed and encouraged by the message to come. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. Before I read that, I want to read a couple of verses out of the book of Hebrews. As you're turning to Matthew, uh, in book of Hebrews, in chapter 4, first two verses says, And let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For to us was the gospel preached as well as it was unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. That little phrase in verse 2 of Hebrews says, But the word preached did not profit them. And then in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with them the same, and then and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had two also gained other two. But he that had received the one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. Verse 20. And so when he had, and so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He, although, he also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he that had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou was a hard man. Reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with interest. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it to him which has ten talents. For to every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he has. And cast ye the unprofitable servant 
into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <clears throat> you know, I think the most important question that we need to answer today, since we're starting a brand new year, 2022, I think the most important question that we need to answer today is not what we've learned this past year, not what new truths that we've gained from all of Brother Josh's preaching this past year, but I think the most important question we need to answer is, what have we done about it? I mean, what have we done with it? I mean, if I understand the Word of God, it teaches one thing over and over again, friends, and it's this. God never reveals truth to us in order to satisfy our curiosity. God never reveals truth to us in order to store up knowledge in the back of our minds somewhere, but God reveals truth to us in order that we may do something about it. I mean, the end result of all God's revelation is that we may obey. And, and I really believe that the most important question that you and I need to answer is not what new truths that we've gained from all of Brother Josh's preaching this year, but what have we done with it? Has it profited us anything? Has it made us profitable servants? In other words, God has a right to expect something out of us for the investment he's made in us. And friends, it is a, tra it is a terrible, terrible tragedy that when Brother Josh, our pastor, preaches his heart out Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and we hear the Word of God, and we hear things, we learn new, new things and, and learn new ideas and new truths, and yet we don't do anything about it, then we are un profitable servant. And if this parable teaches us anything, it teaches us that God has a right to expect something out of us for the investment that he's made in us. You know, this parable in Matthew 25, in chapter 25, it is a, it, it is a picture, it is a picture of Jesus Christ and his followers. And it tells us what they do and how they respond to the gifts and the blessings and the opportunities that he has given them. But the emphasis is upon the unprofitable servant. And it's called the parable of the unprofitable servant, even though you have three servants. The Bible says one who received five talents, one who received two talents, and one who received one talent. And we see that two of those talents do well by what they receive. They, they do well with it. And one doesn't do anything with it. And Jesus Christ calls that person an unprofitable servant. And, it, and the emphasis of the whole story falls at that point right there. See, what Jesus is stressing is that some servants are unprofitable. And, 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 and you know, I mean, notice the way Jesus describes the servant. Sometimes he describes him as slothful. Sometimes he describes him as wicked. But in the end, when he sums it all up, he, he calls him or describes him as unprofitable. <clears throat> and it kind of gives you the idea that God expects to make some kind of profit out of us. In other words, the Lord expects to, to some kind of return out of us for the investment that he has made in our lives. 
In other words, what I'm saying, folks, is God has a right to expect something out of us. We're to be profitable servants for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with this in mind, let me mention three things about this passage of Scripture, about this. First of all, he says our responsibility to do something is inescapable. Our responsibility to do something is inescapable. You know, if this parable teaches us anything, it teaches us that all of us are servants of Almighty God. And so therefore, Christ not only has a right to not only demand something out of us, but he has a right to expect something from us. So we all have a divine job, and our responsibility to do something is inescapable. Now, Jesus says there in verse 14, here's a man who is traveling into a far country, and he calls his own servants together, and he delivers unto them his goods. And he gave the one five talents. And by the way, the word talent there does not mean the ability to, to play the piano or sing or something like that. But here it meant a wedge of gold. It meant a sum of money, what he's talking about. And he says he gave the one five talents and another two talents and another one talent. And then he came back and there was a day of reckoning. He calls the accounts together. He calls these men. He asks them a question. He says, what have you done with what I've given to you? Now, those talents represent God-given abilities and God-given opportunities to serve the Lord Jesus. You have those abilities. I have those abilities. We still have those abilities today, and that's what he's saying. Those talents represent God-given abilities and God-given opportunities to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so significant that he gave different talents to those men. See, Jesus expected just as much from the one-talent man as he did from the five-talent man and expected no more from the five-talent man than he did from the one-talent man. In other words, the amount of talents was insignificant. That's not what matters. See, what matters is that Jesus Christ has given to every single person in this room certain abilities and certain opportunities and certain chances in which we can serve and obey the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ and become an expression of his love and grace in this world. See, that's why we ought never use the excuse, oh, let somebody else do it. Right? We should never use that excuse, oh, let somebody else do it. They can do a better job than I can. I mean, we've used that excuse before. I've used it before. You used it before. Somebody asks you to do something, oh, oh, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. Let somebody else do it. They can do a better job than I can. Well, they, you're probably right. They, they can probably do a better job than you can. But see, that's not what matters. See, that's not what matters. See, we ought never use the excuse, let somebody else do it. Why? Because, see, God has given you a talent. God has given you the ability. And there is a God-given opportunity in which you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has a right to expect us to do something with the truth and the blessings and the gifts that he's given to us. And our responsibility to do something is inescapable. But he goes on to say, not only is our responsibility to do something is inescapable, second of all, he says, our failure to do anything is without excuse. It's inexcusable. 
Now, God has a right to expect us to do something. And our failure to do anything, he says, is without excuse. You know, it's so interesting to note that when this master came back and called for a reckoning, that the only one who made an excuse is the one who hadn't done anything. Do you notice that? Do you notice that? I mean, he's the only one that made this excuse. I mean, he's the only one. I mean, the other two, they didn't mention their fear. They didn't mention how hard it was to double their profits. They didn't complain. They just said, Lord, you gave this to us, and here you have twice as much because we did something with it. And the only person who made any excuse at all was the one who hadn't done anything. And by the way, he's the one who had the least talent of all, the least responsibility of all. But I want you to notice that Jesus Christ here, I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't have a kind word to say about him. He didn't have a kind word to say about him. I mean, he doesn't accept his excuse. And really what he is saying is that if I fail to do what I know I ought to do, my failure is inexcusable. And it's inexcusable because of what he says in verse 15. Notice what he said. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. I mean, why didn't the Lord accept this man's excuse anyway? I mean, you think about it, the Lord Jesus. I mean, why didn't, why didn't the Lord accept this man's excuse? Why didn't he have mercy on him? I mean, why, why didn't the Lord sympathize with him? Well, because, see, the master knew each servant's ability, and he knew each servant's capability, and he did not overload them. He did not give them more than they could handle. He didn't ask them to do more than they were capable of doing. But the Bible said he gave those talents out according to their ability. And, friends, I'll tell you something this morning. God never asks a bit more from us than God's willing to do. He never is. He never asks a bit more from us than you're capable of doing. And there's never any excuse for my failure to obey the Lord because he never puts on us more than we're able to stand. You know, I never forget when I was a kid, always at Christmas time, I'd always want to buy, you know, my, my dad or my mom or a Christmas present. And, you know, I mean, as a kid, I didn't have any money, of course, you know. And so I'd always go to my dad and say, Dad, I need some money to buy you a Christmas present. You know, and he'd always reach in his wallet and he'd pull out four or five dollars and he'd give it to me, you know. And I always went up to Kathy's Drugstore right there uh, in 8 Mile, Alabama. And I'd go up there and in that drugstore and I'd buy my dad uh, a bottle of Old Spice aftershave lotion. I, I don't know if he ever used it or not. It was pretty in that red box. And I always would buy that every Christmas. And like I said, I don't know if you ever used it or not. But I'd buy it, and I'd wrap it up, and I'd put a card on it. And I'd say to Dad from Billy. And on Christmas morning, I'd give my dad that Christmas present. And you know what? I always wondered. My dad never said anything about it. I always wondered if he'd, he'd always say, I, I, I always wondered if he'd say, Son, why didn't you spend more money on me? I said, Dad, I spent all you gave me. If you gave me more, I spent more, you know. But you know what I was doing that day? I was simply giving back to my dad that which he had given to me in the first place. That's all I was doing. And see, folks, isn't that what the Christian life's all about anyway? 
I mean, really, the whole business of the Christian life is simply giving back to God that which he has given to us in the first place. And see, God doesn't ask a bit more from me than he has given me. And, and our failure to do anything is without excuse. Why? Because our failure, our failure to do anything is without excuse because God devised us according to our several ability. And God knows, God knows my ability. He knows my capability. He never overloads me. He never puts on me more than I'm able to bear. So my failure to do anything is inexcusable. And then he goes on to say one last thing. Our accountability for doing nothing is inevitable. Our accountability for doing nothing is inevitable. He says, it is certain that one day all of us here will have to give an account for all that we've done. Every single one of us will have to give an account for all that God has given to us. How have we obeyed the truth that he has given to us? Because in verse 19, notice what it says. Verse 19, it says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. He begins to bring the accounts up to date. And he calls for each one of these men. He asks them a question. He says, What have you done with what I've given you? What have you done with what I've given you? He begins to call the accounts together. And the one who didn't do anything is the one he centers in on. That's the one he centers in on. I mean, notice verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thy wicked and slothful servant. He begins to call the accounts together. And the one who hadn't done anything is the one he centers in on. And I want you to notice what he called him there in verse 26. He called him slothful. He called him slothful. That means lazy. See, that was most of his problem. That was most of his trouble here. He called him slothful, lazy. See, and the reason he didn't do anything is because in verse 25, he said he was afraid. That's what it said in verse 25. He said, Lord, I was afraid. He said, I knew you was a hard man, and I was afraid of you, and I went and hid what you gave me in the earth. The reason he didn't do anything is because he said he was afraid. You know, I never forget years and years ago, when I just got out of college, I was pastoring a church there in that great state of Alabama, uh, Bethel Baptist Church. And on Saturdays, I would go out and visit in the neighborhood, in the areas, old country church. And I'd go out in countrysides and and I'd visit church members and non-church members and stuff like that. And I, and I did a lot of visiting on Saturdays. But it was so many, the people was so many out there living in those country roads and so many people out there. It was just hard for me to, to get to everybody. And so uh, on Sunday, I, I told my church family, I said, look, I need help. I need some help. I need you to go out with me. And, and visit it and, and go out and, and help me uh, witness to these people and tell them about Jesus and, and share the gospel with them. And my, my church folks said, Brother Billy, we can't do that. I said, why not? They said, we're, we're scared. 
We're scared to do that. We don't know how to. We don't know how to share the gospel. Nobody's ever taught us how to take the Bible and share it with somebody. I said, oh, "Well, guess what? I can teach you how to do that. I can teach you how to do that." I said, "So, so let's meet up here next Saturday. Next Saturday, let's meet at the church, and I'll take the Word of God, and we'll 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 I'll, I'll train you how you can go out and and tell somebody how they can be saved. I'll be glad to do that." And so, man, I was excited all week long, man. I was excited. And I was studying the Word of God in the Roman road and, you know, all that. And just, you know, show, I was going to show my people how, to, 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 how they can uh, give them the tools to go out and, and tell somebody about Jesus. And Saturday morning came, and guess what? Not one person showed up. Not one person. No deacons. No Sunday school teachers, not one person showed up that Saturday to learn how to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. And so I began to talk to them a little bit more. And I began to go to, in, to them individually and say, why didn't you show up? Why didn't you show up? You know what they said? We were scared. We were scared. I Oh, Brother Billy, I just can't, I, I, I just get so nervous going out and talking to somebody. I just, I, I just can't see me going knocking on somebody's door and, and telling them about Jesus. I was just so scared to do that. I'll tell you something, friends. Fear of failure is no excuse. It's no excuse. See, that's no excuse. See, God does not judge us according to our success. He judges us according to our faithfulness. See, whether I succeed or fail is beside the point. As long as I do what I'm supposed to do, that's all that matters. That's all God is concerned with. He'll do the rest. He'll do the rest. And the Bible said he was afraid. He was afraid. That's no excuse. That's no excuse. And the tragedy is, folks, and I hate to say this, but the tragedy among so many Christians is that they're just as religious as they want to be. I mean, if they don't want to come to church on Sunday, they don't come to church on Sunday. They don't come to church on Wednesday night. If they don't want to come, they don't come. They got something else going on. That's what they'll do. They're just as religious as they want to be. But notice, not only does he call him slothful, lazy, he calls him a wicked servant. Oh, my gosh. He calls him a wicked servant. And if you go through the scriptures and see how many times the word wicked was used, you won't find it very many times. And it was very, very rare for the Lord Jesus to call somebody wicked. And yet, he calls this man wicked. I mean, what was so wicked about this servant? What was so wicked about him? I mean, did he steal the Lord's money? I mean, did he, did he take the Lord's money and hit all the night spots, night spots and waste it on wine, women, and song? I mean, did he take, the, take that money and gamble it away? No, he didn't do any of those things. I mean, if he had stole the money, I, was, I would have said, yeah, he's wicked. I mean, if he had taken the Lord's money and wasted it on wine, women, and song, I would have said, yeah, he's wicked. I mean, if he had taken the Lord's money and gambled it away, I would have said, yeah, he's wicked. He sure is. But he didn't do any of those things. He didn't lie about it. When the master came back, he told him the absolute truth. Then what did he do? Nothing. 
He didn't do anything. And because of that, Jesus said, Thy wicked and slothful servant. He didn't do anything. And the one that had the one talent didn't do anything. And friend, that is a, there's a spiritual law out there that says, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Because in verse 28 it says, Take therefore the talent from him, and give it to him that has ten talents. For every one that has shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from him that has not... But from him that has not be taken away even that which he has. He didn't do anything with it. And then, like I said, there's a spiritual law that says if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Friends, the best way to destroy something is just neglect it. That's the best way to destroy it. Best way to destroy this church, Brother Josh, is not to Bring a bulldozer up here or a sledgehammer, start knocking the walls down. Best way to destroy this church is just neglect it. Don't show up. Better destroy it. Best way to destroy your prayer life is just neglect it. Don't pray. Better destroy it. Best, best way to destroy the youth ministry or wanna or, or, or the choir or anything like that is just not show up. Better destroy it. Just neglect it. The best way to destroy a garden is just don't take care of it. Just neglect it. That'll destroy it. See, that's why it's so difficult for us to pray. That's why it's so difficult for us to witness. Why? Because we've gone so long without doing it, folks. And really what Jesus is saying to us, if you don't use your God-given abilities and God-given opportunities and God-given gifts, then you'll lose them. And I'll tell you something, folks, that's what scares me. See, that's what scares me. See, the thing that frightens me is that when I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account for all that I've done, my greatest fear is that the Lord will say to me, Oh, son, what you could have done is what I've given to you. Oh, son, what you could have done is what I gave you. Not what I did, not so much what I did, but what I could have done. Not so much what I am, what I could have been. And I'll tell you something, folks. I, I, I know you listen to me this morning. I know there's people out there right now. There's people out there right now enjoying some of my blessings. Why? Because God told me to do something, and I didn't do it. And he took it from me. And he gave it to somebody else who would do something. And my greatest fear that God said, oh, son, what you could have done, what I gave you. Oh, listen, friend, God has a right to expect something out of our lives or the investment that he's made in our lives. But the question that we need to answer this morning as we start a brand new year is not what we've learned not what new truths that we've gained from all of Brother Josh's preaching this past year, but what are we going to do about it? What are we doing with it? Has it profited us anything? Has it profited you anything? 
What are you as an individual this morning doing with the abilities and opportunities and the gifts that God has given you? If you had to stand before God this morning and he looked at you, if you had to stand before God and give an account for everything that you have done, what would God say about you today? What would he say about you today? Would he say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You've been faithful over, th- over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Would he say that about you? Or would he say, thou wicked and slothful servant. Cast ye the unprofitable servant. Take what he has, take it away from him, give it to the one who's going to do something about it, and cast him into outer darkness, where there shall be gnashing of teeth. And so if you had to stand before God and give an account for all that you've done, what would God say about you? God has a right to expect something out of us for the investment he's made in our lives. So as we start a brand new year, folks, as we start a brand new year, let's be obedient. And as Brother Josh preaches his heart out Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and speaks truth to us, God gives us opportunities and gives us uh, chances and gives us gifts, and we're to use those gifts for his glory. And so in 2022, let's be faithful servants. Thank you for joining us for this episode of First Importance. We invite you to check out our other sermons on this podcast and to join us in person on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m., as well as streaming live on Sunday mornings at 10.45. We hope to see you soon at First Baptist West Memphis, where we love God, care for one another, and share the gospel.